0: Good evening, everybody. Uh, So you have me for one more week, and then Father should be back for the the rest of these. Uh, Let's start like we did last week in prayer. Okay, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thank you for everything that you have given to us. Thank you for bringing us here tonight. Please shine your love upon us and bless us and our families and those in most need of your help. Uh, please show us and and send the Holy Spirit into us to show us the truth and the way that you want us to live and how to draw us closer to you. Let's say the our Father together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about the, the Our Father tonight that we just said. And how many pages do you think it takes in the Catechism to explain the Our Father? It's actually 20 pages in the Catechism explaining the Our Father. (laughs) So what I'm going to do tonight is just scratch the top of that. And so that's one thing that is so beautiful about our Catholic faith is how deep it is. However deep you want to go into something, you can go. I mean, if we have 20 pages on the Our Father, it's just kind of amazing. So however uh, deep that you want to go into it. Okay, and uh, so the Our Father... Uh, Where we're going to be reading at that the the long version that we use and that we just said is actually in Matthew chapter six, so you can you can look it up and find it in Matthew chapter six, and this this is how it starts off before then, and this is just Jesus telling us how to pray, and he goes, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues or on street corners so that others may see them. Amen. I say to you, they have received their reward already. Okay, so Jesus always is after the hypocrites. And if you look at it like Jesus all through the Bible, like the sinners and everything, he's real nice to. Like the people that have messed up really bad, he's really, really nice to. And just ask them to repent. But then whenever it's the religious people that came in and they're like, the better than you people, that's the people that he really slams, you know. So this is just another warning, you know. Don't be praying, you know, just to act like you're better than everybody else because he'll put you in your place, you know. And and it says, uh, but when you pray, go to your inner room and close the door and pray to your father in secret. And the, and your father who sees you in secret will repay you. So he always sees us no matter where we're at. And this one is uh, sometimes that uh, the Protestants kind of like to uh, take this one and use it against us. But it's just because uh, they don't really understand what we're talking about here. But it says, In praying, do not babble like the pagans who think that they will be heard because of their many words. So, like, lots of times that they say, see, you got that, you're repeating all those words, you know, that that's, that's like the rosary, you know, that that's, that's where they kind of attack us for the rosary. And you can see how they can easily misinterpret, you know, and say that. You know, but that's not what, because it's saying that they use many words. But the rosary and... Uh, like, I like how Robert, uh, Father or Bishop Robert Barron talks about the rosary. Because whenever you say the rosary, that you're repeating the words, and then you're concentrating on the life of Christ, like the different stages in the life of Christ, right? And to me, it really helps a lot because, uh, like Father Robert Barron calls it, is, we have monkey mind. <laughs> have y'all <ever> heard that? <laughs> like whenever you're trying to pray, and your mind goes over there and over there and over there, and whenever you pray the rosary, that it really helps me a lot. And then I actually uh, learned a trick that uh, I t- I turn on even Gregorian chant in the background. And it grounds out even more. And so when I say the Rosary, I've got Gregorian chant on, and it drowns out everything else. And then I'm praying the words, and then I'm concentrating on the mystery. And in really spots of my life where I've been a complete mess and a wreck, when I've said the Rosary and concentrated in that way, that's when I've really heard God speak in my heart. You know, and so. Uh, So, his babbling of many words here that he's just talking about the people that just go there and just ramble on and on and on. Okay. Okay, and then it says, uh, and then the last one, it says, uh, your father knows what you need before you ask him, and this is how you are to pray. And then he goes through the our father that we just said, our father who art in heaven. Okay, so if we look at this, let's just look at the first the first word. Whenever we're doing this, whenever we say that our Father, it's not my father, right? I mean, God is my father, but He's only my father because of Jesus, because Jesus came down because Jesus was the true Son of the Father. And he came down and through Jesus' power and love that he let us be the adopted children of God. And so whenever we pray, we pray our Father because we are now accepted in as children of God because of what Jesus did. And so whenever we pray, I mean we can look around at each other here that we're all brothers and sisters, you know, in, in Christ and And our, I know that our church and almost all the churches that I know of, every church I know of, we need to work on this, (laughs) you know, that we need to all work together. And we become the children in the baptism, whenever we are baptized, that we are baptized as children of God. So we think about that. So who all's father is he? So, he's all the Catholics that were baptized, he's their father, right? What about the Baptists? Is he their dad too? Yep. <laughs> yep. So, they had the same baptism, you know. So, everybody that's baptized, every baptized Christian, that God is our father, you know. And so, whenever we, that's the reason why it makes it so great. When we go to ball games or something like that, and we all say, the our father together that we say it with our protestant brothers and sisters and that's what our church actually calls you know the the protestants you know that they're they're kind of our separated brethren but they're still our brothers you know and so we're all in this together and we're all there trying to get each other to heaven and that's the thing about that our father is that it's just a gift that god gave us all You know all the baptized people and just kind of a thing about that when we talked about baptism last year and those of y'all that's gone to the baptismal seminar that that we're so blessed that God let us be his children into calling that because like there are certain faiths like Muslims Muslims if you tell a Muslim that you're a child of God he's going to get mad at you and said it's blasphemy you know, they do not look at it the same way we do, that they do not think they are children of God, you know, and so uh, because of the love of Christ and the free gift that he gave us, that it's our Father, that we're all we're all together in this, and it's our job to get each other to heaven and kind of the best way I heard it described is they said they're like one of the roughest sports out there is rugby, you know, and that the the church is like a rugby team it's it's not a place where all this holy people go and said it's all just this rough riffraff of people and we're all working together and we got to help each other out to get there you know and so we all need to pray for each other help each other out all that we can and that okay so we so far we covered the our father uh next thing is who art in heaven Okay, so if we think about it, we think of heaven, you know, that when we just say that lots of times that we think, you know, heaven is this far away place where God is, you know, with all the people who have passed and the angels and all that stuff. But heaven is also everywhere that God is. And so if you think of it that y'all are all temples of the Holy Spirit. So what's that mean? It means God, God is in you, right? So God is, so God is in us. And is, is God in the tabernacle right there? Right, so he's there like we talked about last week, that he's truly present in the bread and the wine, and he's also everywhere around us. So anywhere that God is, which is everywhere all around us, that uh so he's in us, he's everywhere in the world and in heaven. So this is just to let us know that God is is all the way around us. Okay, then hallowed be thy name. So like Halloween is coming up. What does Halloween mean? And they have the Hallow app right now. <laughs> so So Halloween is just holy evening, right? So hallow just means holy. So God, so this is just us praising God, that we're saying holy is your name. Because in the Old Testament, were they even allowed to say God's name? They weren't allowed to say God's name, were they? So now because of, of Jesus and everything that we can that we just say, holy is your name. So, uh, in the next part, uh, thy kingdom come. And it says that we talked about this last week just a little bit. You know, at the Last Supper that Jesus was there, and we talked about it, that it was... The Last Supper was actually a reenactment of Passover, that it was the Passover ceremony where they took the lamb, where they used to take the lamb, and they had to eat the lamb, right? And then they had to drink the wine and all this stuff. And then before the Passover meal was finished, that Jesus didn't drink the last cup of wine, and he said, I'm not going to drink this fruit of the vine again until I come into my kingdom. And then You remember that we talked about this last week when Jesus was up on the cross. Then after he had been beaten and crucified and all that, and he's up there, and then they take the sponge and they dip it in the common wine on a hyssop branch, the same branch that they used to splatter the blood on the doorpost in the Old Covenant. They dip in the wine and they stick it up and Jesus takes the drink. And he said, "It is finished." So he took a drink of wine, symbolizing that it's the new kingdom. And so, uh, so the kingdom started right then. Whenever Jesus took the took the drink of wine, whenever he was being crucified, and so that's the new kingdom, and that's the reason why we don't have to do Passover anymore with that covenant we don't have to go sacrifice a lamb and splatter blood anymore. I'm kind of glad we don't have to do that. So uh, so now that the church is the kingdom of God now. So whenever he did that, so we're the kingdom on earth. That we're the kingdom on earth is the, the church. And it's, he calls everyone everyone alive today he calls to enter into the kingdom that we're supposed to go out to the end of the earth and invite people to into God's church right so come see so come join the kingdom and Christ is the king so it even said on his cross that he was the king of the Jews and uh, so he's the king of all of us but even though his kingdom has come already and it's here on earth that it won't reach its fullness or won't meet all that it's going to be until the end of time. And then we'll all uh, be with God in the heavenly kingdom. So, So that's on the kingdom. Okay. The next line is, Thou will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so this is how Jesus told us to pray. So so basically God, let your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Is that how we pray? Or is that how you pray? Or do you say, God, let my will be done? Because <laughs> you know, I know I'm kind of guilty about that sometimes. I'm like yeah, God, will, will you do this for me, you know? But, but, this, but we pray, and so if we pray, this is what we're actually saying. We're saying, God, your will be done, not my will be done. And so, uh, is that always easy? Was it easy for Jesus even? No, if we if we go back to the Passion, like right before Jesus was put on the cross, right? And he's in doing the agony in the garden and what's he say? He says, God, please let this cup pass from me. You know, please don't have me do this, but let your will be done and not mine. So it wasn't even easy, easy for Jesus to say, let your will be done. And this is another thing that's kind of interesting if we go back to how the crucifixion is part of the passion meal. Because why would he say, let this cup pass from me? And it was because it was the last cup of wine of the passion that he had to, that he had to drink. you know. And he knew what all that was going to take to change the covenant from the old covenant of the Passover to this. And so he knew what was, what was coming. So it wasn't easy for... It wasn't easy for uh, uh, Jesus to do, and God says, in, or Jesus, or in Timothy, First Timothy, Chapter Two, that it tells us what God's will is, and it says God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So that's what God's will is, even though we don't see it that way. Lots of times, it's hard for us to see what God's will actually will be. But what our prayer needs to be, or what we need to try to do, which is really hard, is we need, we need our wills to align with, the, with God's will and then ask for endurance to do it. And that's really hard. But if we can ask God, okay, I'm going to accept your will, whatever it is, but God, you got to give me strength to do it. I need help, you know. And that's, that's how the saints do it. <laughs> and, and it's hard, and we need to, to try to do that. Uh, one thing that I thought was pretty interesting is that, uh, you know, probably some of y'all have uh, read the book Case for Christ or at least heard the Case for Christ. Uh, book by Lee Strobel that he actually came out with a lot more books after that and one of them is The Case for Miracles and he goes and he researches you know like the miracles that happened and all this stuff trying to prove that God is out there you know and one of the things that he does is he comes across another guy and that's what this other I can't remember the guy's name for anything but uh he did a lot of research and he found all these miracles where all these people were cured. And the guy that found all that stuff, that had all the miracles that uh, Lee Strobel used a lot of them in his book, though, the guy's wife that found all the miracles, all these miracle cures, his wife had a debilitating disease where she couldn't even tie her shoes anymore. It was just one of those diseases where her Her brain was gone, and she was just kind of withering away. And uh, Lee Strobel asked him, he's like, So, you see all these miracles that are happening to everybody. If you were God, would you cure your wife? You know, and the guy had the best answer I've ever heard. And he goes, If I was God, I would know why this was happening to my wife. And so, no, I wouldn't change anything. And it's just kind of weird, just the, the amount of faith that it has to be like that, you know, like that guy. I was just blown away when I read that. I was like, wow. Because if it was my wife, I know what I would say, <laughs> you know. So, but it was, uh, it was really neat. Okay, so that's, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, the next verse is give us this day our daily bread. And if we start out again does it that we're just not saying give me, right? It's give us. And so it's just another reminder that we're all in this together. That God doesn't want it to be just me and Jesus. That it's us working together to help each other. And some of the things in the catechism that it talks about is the reading that we just had last Sunday. The rich man and Lazarus, right? The rich man walked right by Lazarus every day, you know, starving on, his, on the street and right in front of his house and didn't help him. And we're supposed to take that, that, you know... When we're talking about giving us this daily bread, what are we doing to help others? You know, so we need to we need to be there to help others. And it's also if we look at Matthew chapter 25, that it talks about the last judgment, you know, and this is and this is tough, you know, because it talks about the people that think that they're saved, that know God, and then they're separated into the sheep and the goats, right? And what's he And the people that are making it to heaven, they're like, or the people that aren't making it to heaven, they ask Jesus, they're like, they're like, well, how that we know you. And he's, and they're like, we perform miracles in your name. And he goes, he goes, whenever you didn't feed the orphans and you didn't take care of the widows and whenever you did, not didn't do this stuff, you didn't do it for me. So I, I don't know you. And the the people that are going to heaven, they're like, Well, we never seen you, and he goes, But you fed the orphans and you took care of the widows and you did all this stuff. Whenever you did it for them, you did it for me. And so all this is tied into the our father, whenever we say, Give us this day our daily bread, that we're supposed to give it to the others too, that we're supposed to we're here to take care of all of our brothers and sisters. And all of our brothers and sisters aren't easy to deal with sometimes. That uh I like Mother Angelica on EWTN. Any of y'all ever watch her? And uh one of the sayings that she said that I thought was pretty good was being holy would be easy if it wasn't for people. <laughs> you know, and so that that is so true sometimes, but we got we got to remember that. That it says, you know, whatever you do to the least of your brothers, that's what you do to me. And who's the least of your brothers? That's the person you can't stand, right? And so whatever you do to the person you can't stand, Jesus is like, that's what you do to me. And so we got to remember that. It's, it's not easy, but it's, it's tough. This is the way that God wants us to be. Okay. And then like I pointed out last week, for those of y'all that are here, that it says, give us this day our daily bread. So why has he got day in there twice? You know, give us this day our daily bread. And the reason that's in there twice is because they can't really translate the Hebrew into English very good. And so what it really says is... Give us, this, give us this day our super, our super essential bread. So if you look at it, our super essential bread, you know, or our super substantial bread. So what do we think of that as whenever we come to Catholics? What does that mean to us? It means the Eucharist, right? So give us this day, the Eucharist. And the next one, we're going on through here and Jesus just keeps on getting tougher. And we say this every day, whether you, and how many times do you say this and not even think about what you're saying? You know, we all say this all the time and it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if you're not forgiving anybody else, what is that saying? You know, <laughs> if you're saying, well, uh, I'm not forgiving Joe because he's a turd, what is, uh, what's that saying? Well, I'm not forgiving him, so don't forgive me either because forgive me the same way that I forgive other people, right? And uh, it's like, wow, did, did Jesus really mean that? But that's the cool thing if you read if you read this in Matthew chapter 6 that we go through the Our Father, and then this is the two verses right after that. So Jesus uh, grinds it on in home. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive others their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive your transgressions. So he doubles down on it. You know, he's like, so this is what we're, we're saying. So if we're, if we're not willing to forgive other people, we might ought to hold off or skip that line when we're saying the, when we're saying the, our father. Okay. And, and then we got, lead us not into temptation. So, that God doesn't attempt, God doesn't tempt any of us. But He does allow us to go through trials that are necessary for our growth of our inner being. And there isn't a single person here that hasn't gone through their fair share of trials, I'm sure. And, but honestly, if you. If you look at a lot of the, the trials that God puts you through, that you're still here, and probably as you're going through them, you got closer to God. That's not, I mean, that doesn't happen every time or to every people, but whenever God, God tests us and He really puts us through hard times, a lot of us really turn to God, and that's when we really have a, awakenings and stuff. And so, God does put us through the, t- the trials. And he also says uh, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So wherever your treasure lies, that's going to be uh, where your heart is. And so that's kind of our temptation that we all have different temptations. We all have different trials. So we ask God to strengthen us in that. And I like uh, an old Indian proverb that, was said, that said, that an old Indian chief said, Inside me there are two wolves, one good and one bad, and they're always fighting. And they ask him, in the, and they're like, well, which one's winning? And he goes, the one wins that I feed the most. And so we can just think about that. You know, inside of all of us, we've got good and we've got bad temptations. And the, whichever ones we feed, that's the one that grow. So that's kind of okay. And then we got, deliver us from evil, or deliver us from the evil one. Okay. If you like watch TV and stuff now, lots of times like they even have a show called Lucifer on TV, right? And if I haven't seen it, but I've just seen commercials of it. But all it is is, you know, that uh, he was an angel, but what he did, he thought he was doing right, you know, and it's just kind of misunderstood, you know, and he's really a good guy, you know, and that's kind of the way that our culture is, you know, they're like, oh, you know, he's not really that bad, you know, either that or that there's no, uh, that so many people today don't even believe that the devil's even real, you know, And that's one thing that I kind of thought was pretty interesting that I've... I listened to a guy talking... He was a priest from uh, Korea. And he said over there... He goes, everybody knows that the devil is real. Because he goes... Because you see possessed people because it's not that much of a Christian country. And you see the devil and you see possessed people. And there's no doubt that it's real. And he goes, but in America... He goes, "We've got it so easy that it's just easier for the devil to just lie low and just put us subtle things than we don't think that he's real, and it's just a lot easier for him to just stay hid over here and everybody' be like, "Ah, oh, he's not real. There's nothing to worry about." You know, if you think about that, uh, But it says in the Bible that the devil was a murderer from a murderer from the beginning. He was a liar and the father of lies. And so he's out there and he's constantly trying to, trying to trick us and all this stuff. Uh, one thing that I thought was kind of neat, have any of y'all have heard of uh, C.S. Lewis, the guy that wrote the Narnia books and stuff? But he also wrote uh, Mere Christianity, that's an awesome book. But he also wrote uh, these deals. He used to write for a newspaper, and he kept on putting these deals in there like every week, and it was called the screw Tape Letters. Have y'all ever heard of that? But it's kind of neat that on the Screw Tape Letters that he's there, and it's like this older demon is training a younger demon, and the demon is there like trying to—he has this one guy, and it's his job to trick that guy into going to hell you know and so he's always like well I'm doing this you know and he goes well every time he thinks about going to church put an interesting ad in front of the newspaper in front of him or make a pretty girl walk by or something like that you know and it's all these deals and it's all the the screw tape letters is what it's called because it's because Screw Tape is the Young Demon's name that he's writing to, and so you get the letters written from the old demon to the new demon of how to trick the man, you know. But it's all kind of neat because it kind of like opens up your eyes, you know, like what the devil might actually be doing to us, you know. And it's it's a real neat deal, and that's uh, C.S. Lewis wrote that, and it's it's kind of really neat. Okay, so <clears throat> so anyway, so. We need to know that the devil is real, and we need to ask God to protect us. And so when we ask to deliver us from evil, that we ask that God protect the whole human family, because there again, it's deliver us from evil. So there, we're there praying for each other, trying to take care of each other, and then we ask for the whole human family to be delivered from evil. And then we say, amen. Amen. And so, amen is, it is true, or so be it. And so, so we're just going, so that's how it ends. Some interesting stuff uh, that I was going to cover real quick. That there's actually seven petitions that we say in the Our Father. And seven, is the number of perfection right? Like there's seven days in the week. It's the godly number, and so it's an, it's amazing. Like how many times seven comes into play. Okay. In the first three, the first three are the divine petitions, and this is where we're asking or we're uh, we're blessing God that we're asking to do God's will. So. That's the, the hallowing his name. So we're, doing, we're blessing God's name because he blessed us first. And then we ask for his kingdom to come. That's the second one. And then we ask to do his will and not our will. So we have those. And then the last four petitions are actually the four cardinal virtues. So they go right with the four cardinal virtues that we have. Okay, and the the virtues, the virtues are temperance. And so we ask that that goes in with give us our daily bread. That temperance is, you know, that we just don't go crazy. We don't go to extremes. That we see what is right in the middle. Because if we give us our If we have our bread, that we can become gluttons, right? We can just go and pig out and all this stuff. Or we can be selfish and keep it all to ourselves. The second one is justice. So the second cardinal virtue is is, uh, justice, where we uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Because it's only just, if we look at it, that God forgives us like we forgive others. So we've got the justice. And then we got prudence, which is knowing what is right and what's wrong. You know, and so this is where uh, lead us not into temptation. So prudence is uh, knowing what's right and what's wrong. Because as Catholics, uh, we got to follow our conscience, that we have to know that you're not supposed to do anything against your conscience. But the thing is, we ought to have a well-formed conscience to know what's right and wrong, right? So that's where uh, reading the Bible every day and knowing how to interpret it, you know, the right way so that we know what is right and wrong. And then we got fortitude is the last one, which fortitude is having the, the ability to resist you know, to stick through and to do what is the actual right thing to do, and that's where we tie that in to deliver us from evil, because we know that we're going to be tempted by evil, but we've got to have the fortitude to go on and endure to the end, because as St. Paul says, the ones that endure to the end will be saved, right? So... Alrighty, so like I said, that was just kind of a, a taste of the Our Father, and if you want to go into more depth, like I said, there's 20 full pages in the Catechism. It's the very last of the Catechism, and it goes even more deeper in depth than what I did here. So it's it's kind of neat, and like I said, that uh, last year I took the Ladder of Ascent class that they offer through the Archdiocesan in Oklahoma City, and I know they had the first section here last year, I don't know if they're going to do the section, section or not, but uh, that where you actually go through the catechism step by step, and it was a really good class, and yeah, I learned a whole lot from it, but then also uh, Father Mike Smiths that did the Bible in the Year uh, thing, and if y'all haven't listened to the Bible in the Year, it's awesome. And you can just go, it's just a podcast, and he reads you like 15 minutes of Bible reading and then like five minutes explaining it. So it's like 20 minutes a day, and he goes all the way from Genesis to Revelation, every the whole Bible. He reads it to you, and he explains to you what it means, and it's, it's like so neat. And the reason I say that is he's doing that, and you can, you can download it anytime and just start and go, you know. Uh, but in January, he's going to do the catechism. He's going to start at the catechism, and he's going to read a little bit of the catechism and go through and explain all the catechism, too. So And it's free. You just go on there and uh, download it on your phone or iPad or whatever, and it'll just read it to you. It's, it's a really neat deal, or at least the Bible in the Year was. And so I imagine the catechism will be, too. It's just really, really neat. So. so anyway, that's, that's all I got for tonight. So <laughs> let's, let's end in prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thank you for this evening. Please shine light on us all and help us to do good and well at serving our brothers and sisters in you. Help us to grow closer to you and to each other. And please be our, our guide. Let's say the Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And if you're curious that the Hail Mary is in Luke, it's not written out like the Our Father... But if you read the first couple of chapters of Luke, you'll read the Hail Mary. Everything that we stated in there is in the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. So just kind of neat. All right. Thank you all.